Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 1940s-born actors in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. We are continuing our trek through the decades uh, and looking at, uh, at least statistically, the top 10 actors uh, born in each of them. Uh, this episode is about the 1940s, and as I've kind of been saying and going forward, you know, more people will be alive uh, the, the further we get, which is just common sense. Uh, and, you know, we, we get to have more and more, I think, recognizable names uh, appear on this list. Uh, you know, I personally, you know, before I really dove into movies, I would say that eight of the names, uh, seven of the names on this top ten list were very familiar with me, to me. Uh, now, I mean, and now all of ten of them are, are very, you know, recognizable. But there may be one or two that that even the average moviegoer wouldn't know offhand, uh, unless you were kind of entrenched in a particular uh, franchise or or fandom. Uh, so there is that. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll figure it out as we go along. Uh, that being said, um, you know these are people born in the 1940s. So uh, if they were alive, the oldest they could be is 78 right now. Uh, which is not that old. Uh, it's unfortunate that a couple of the names I'm going to have to talk about are not uh, are not alive. Uh, that is very sad and disappointing, but it is the truth of the matter, and it is uh, something we will address and talk about when we get there. A couple of the people who were born in the 1940s who didn't quite make the list this time, um, looking down the list here, what do we got? Uh, Tracy Walter. Uh, who was in Silence of the Lambs, Annie Hall, Aaron Brockovich, Philadelphia, City Slickers, Madeline Kahn, Oscar nominee, Bruno Kirby uh, from This is Spinal Tap, When Harry Met Sally, among others, uh, Birdie, The Godfather Part Two, Vincent Schiavelli, who else here, Frank Oz, doesn't quite make the list, um, Ricky Jay, Al Pacino, not quite there either. Ray Baker, Beth Grant, uh, Brian Cox, Edward James Olmos, Terry Garr, Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, not quite. Dan Hedaya, no. And uh, let's see, any other names that stick out real quick? Ben Stein, Michael Ensign, Simon Callow. A lot of names, a lot of recognizable guys uh, and and gals who, you know, are totally worthy of, you know, their own topic. But uh, they don't quite make the top ten this this time. Uh, we will, you know, uh, I my plan is to once we hit uh, the twenty to do the two thousands top ten list to then recycle back into months, and then after I do twelve months, I'll come back to. The decades, just to kind of space out the the competition between for a specific criteria a little bit more. Uh, so, 
it will be two years, two years from now, if this is still going on, that uh, the next 1940s-born actor list would come about. So uh, fingers crossed that I can still be doing this in two years' time. That being said, let's actually jump in to the number 10 slot uh, of this this month's uh, top 10 1940s born actors. Number 10, born May 19th, 1944, uh, from the United Kingdom, with six film credits to his name and an average film rating of 83. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that is, I know that that is the smallest film count of anybody on this list. I am very confident it is also the highest average film rating of anybody on this top 10 list. Uh, With his lowest film rated a 69, a value of 8.5, a score of 70.75, and overall ranking of 102nd, tied with Matt Ross, one spot behind Paul Dano, and one spot ahead of James Milliken, Uh, is Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. If you are not familiar with this name, uh, you should learn a little bit more about Star Wars. He is Chewbacca in the Star Wars films. Uh, Most of them, that is. Uh, I believe the mantle has been passed on at this point for episode 9, but I'm not 100% certain about that. He does not appear in all six or, or all eight, nine, ten now Star Wars films. Um, he's only in uh, episodes four, five, and six, the original trilogy. He comes back in episode three of the new trilogy, the prequels, and he has appeared in both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. So six films across the board. Uh, he you know, is a very tall person, he is iconic, you know, the picture of him on Letterboxd, you know, even his hair kind of reminds you of Chewbacca, and, you know, it's kind of curly and and, uh, tangled in a sense, Uh, it it just, you know, he has created this incredibly iconic character amidst a field of iconic characters in the Star Wars franchise, Uh, you know, there's, there's so many memorable and and impressionable moments throughout this entire franchise and Chewbacca is a big piece of that you know when you know the only Chewbacca um role in in the Star Wars franchise that he didn't play was in Solo uh which is really good because if he had it would have really hurt his uh hurt his score so that being said has he done anything else uh he has 20 credits on Letterboxd. Of those 20, based on a quick glance, it looks like 17 of them are related to Star Wars. So I've only seen six. Some of the others, you've got the Star Wars Holiday Special, Star Wars Empire of Dreams, the story of the Star Wars trilogy, Secrets of the Force Awakens, A Cinematic Journey, the making of Star Wars, comic book, the movie, Jedi Junkies, Star Tours, SPFX, The Empire Strikes Back, The Unauthorized Star Wars Story, and Return of the Ewok. All Star Wars related. The film, oh, and and When Star Wars Ruled the World. So a lot of Star Wars, Star Wars documentaries and, and, and pieces about Star Wars. There are three films 
that are not explicitly Star Wars films. Uh, the first being Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger from 1977, uh, starring Patrick Wayne, Taryn Power, and Margaret Whitting, Jane Seymour, uh, with Peter Mayhew having a very tiny role in this movie. Uh, it has okay reviews on Letterboxd. So there's Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. There is Terror from 1978, uh, where Peter Mayhew plays a mechanic. Reviews are slightly below uh, average for this one on Letterboxd. And then lastly is 2008's Yesterday Was a Lie, in which he plays a dead man. So yeah, this one has the worst reviews of all. So didn't really expand beyond Chewbacca, which you know, is is fine, but unfortunate uh, in, in its own way. Uh, he certainly doesn't have, you know, classically trained acting performances as Chewbacca. He just kind of, he's in a suit the whole time. He is, you know, making Wookiee sounds. It's, it's very straightforward, at least it seems to be. Uh, you know, I haven't watched enough behind the scenes documentaries and things like that about Star Wars to know, you know, how much nuance or, or uh, you know, range he's actually providing to that character. Because, you know, I, I really, I believe there's definitely room for that to, to take place. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he was, at least from his point of view, I, I imagine he's probably doing a lot to make sure everything comes out perfectly and it might not feel that way when we watch it it might just be, seem like he stands there and opens his mouth and yodel screams but i'm i'm sure there's more to it than that so you know i'm that you know this having him on this list in number 10 this 10th spot you know i'm a big fan of star wars especially the newer episodic films and this is kind of inspiring me to watch more behind the scenes documentaries maybe get a little more insight into into Chewbacca and Peter Mayhew in that way so that's great I'm really happy <laughs> to have had that so like I said uh Peter Mayhew he's 102nd overall tied with Matt Ross but at only six films you know that is that is a tall order to hold on to that that average score uh, at that small a number of films uh, and the fact that none of these films are rated poorly, uh, Revenge of the Sith being my least favorite of the Star Wars movies he's been in, uh, is still a, a solid Star Wars movie, star, solid movie. And uh, yeah, so Peter Mayhew, number 10, born in 1940, in the 1940s. I like it. It's good. Moving on, uh, one thing, this month, this this decade top 10 list is going to have a lot, uh, a lot of um, Harry Potter affiliated actors, um, and uh, I think at least one, two, three, four, five, five actors who have appeared in multiple Harry Potter movies. Uh, number nine is one of those. He was born uh, in the United Kingdom as well, July 31st, 1947, passing away March 28th, 2013 at the age of 65, too early. 
uh, with 18 film credits, an average film rating of 67.33, a value of 11, and a score of 71.6. He is ranked 89th overall. And that is Richard Griffiths, who plays uh, Mr. Dursley in the Harry Potter's Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, for the record, uh, he is credited as having been in five of the actual Harry Potter movies. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's perfect as Vernon Dursley. That, man, the, the in Sorcerer's Stone, you know, he just, he sets the mood perfectly. You know, he, I, I don't know that, you know, we don't see a lot of him after that, generally. But we get, we get just enough amount of him in the first movie, the first Harry Potter movie, to really feel this overbearing pressure that is on Harry in his life living with his aunt and uncle. Uh, you know, his his reaction to the letters and the cupboard under the stairs and, and just his brutal antagonism against Harry throughout the, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie is is stifling. And he he's, you know, he's a very portly guy you know he's not Hagrid he you know he's shorter and you know he like looks almost eye to eye with Harry even at that age I think maybe not maybe he's a little taller than Harry at that point but even still you know he he's not the super huge imposing physical person but his his demeanor his mannerisms are are incredibly uh overbearing and Despite the little, the smaller amounts of screen time he he has in future films, uh, he is still uh, that that feeling carries over through them, and and that is, uh, you know, I, I think that's quite quite something. Um, but he's been in a lot more than just Harry Potter. Uh, he has been in um, Venus, uh, which was. Uh, starring Peter O'Toole, the last Oscar nomination that Peter O'Toole received. Uh, he's been in Hugo, uh, Martin Scorsese's Hugo, in which he played uh, Monsieur Frick uh, in the film, uh, which is very, very good. Uh, he was in one of the films I saw very, fairly recently, uh, Ragtime, which I really enjoyed. I, I thought that was fairly good. Uh, but he, he plays more of a smaller role in that. It's fairly tiny. Uh, he was in Gandhi, uh, Ben Kingsley's Gandhi. Uh, he was also in About Time, uh, the time travel rom-com film. That's not showing up here. Uh, Sleepy Hollow. Stage Beauty, another one I saw fairly recently, uh, which I I also really enjoyed. I thought it was, I don't know, it, it, he's he's in he's you know he's more of a minor role. He he's a supporting actor uh, at best most of the time. Um, looking at things like Stage Beauty or Ballet Shoes um, or or Chariots of Fire, uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman. He he's not leading the film I, I don't see you know his picture is not on any of these posters I'm looking at for the films of his I haven't seen and uh, you know I, I you know I mentioned this a lot when we talk when I talk about top 10 actors and you know he's 
there's often somebody in the list who isn't really a leading actor, uh, who doesn't have a lot of main roles, lead roles, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. He is still, uh, despite that, one of the uh, best pieces in most of the films that he is in. Uh, outside of film, outside of film, he has received tons of accolades, many awards, including the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actor, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Actor in a Play, um, Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Featured Actor in a Play, the Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Play. Uh, most of these, if not all of them, I think, actually came from his role in the play The History Boys, uh, which later became a film, which he was also in and starred in. Uh, which is about a story, the story of an unruly class of bright, funny history students at a Yorkshire grammar school in pursuit of an undergraduate place at Oxford or Cambridge. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a typical teacher role and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's, that's a big... That's a huge, look, that's a lot of awards, that's a lot of acclaim, and I, I think it's not without its merit. I think he certainly displays the the ability to anchor, a, or displayed, unfortunately, uh, the, the ability to anchor this, anchor a movie by himself. And, uh, you know, it's a shame he never really got much of an opportunity to do that uh, in, in, on a big screen, really. Um, but I'm really glad he was able to have those those roles on on this on a stage and uh, television. So I'm I'm a big fan. I really like Richard Griffiths. I'm really pleased when I see that he is going to be in the cast of a movie that I'm watching. And despite the limited amount of screen time he generally receives, I think he he's ever since he started acting, he was always very very competent, very capable, and and really brought. A, uh, I don't know. He just he he has a presence, you know. He he doesn't. He's able to really assert himself and and command your eyes when he's on the screen, which is you know not maybe feels easy, but I don't I don't think it is. I don't think it's you know the easiest thing in the world. So big fan of Richard Griffiths, and it's quite a shame that he uh, left us as soon as he did. So he is number nine this, uh, in this top 10 list, uh, ranked 89th overall. Moving on to number eight. Number eight is another actor who left us too soon, uh, born in the United Kingdom as well, January 22nd, 1940, uh, passing away January 27th, 2014, just a little over a year and a half ago at the age of 77 with 39 film credits to his name an average film rating of 62.72 two oscar nominations and a value of 12.5 a score of 72.16 and an overall ranking of 78th is john hurt john hurt one spot behind sebastian stan one spot ahead of lupita nyong'o John Hurt has also been in his fair share of Harry Potter movies, uh, three of them, according to Letterboxd. 
Uh, but he has a much greater, much greater career outside of them uh, and really had more than his <laughs> plenty and plenty and plenty of recognition and acclaim uh, from uh, Alien to Snowpiercer to Jackie to V for Vendetta to The Elephant Man, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, Spaceballs, Dogville, Hellboy, uh, Melancholia. Dead Man, Contact, Watership Down, uh, The Proposition, The Black Cauldron, it, the, A Man for All Seasons, History of the World Part 1. It, it's just it's incredibly expansive. Incredibly expansive. He has had an incredible career. He has 174 credits on Letterboxd. I've only seen 39 of them. <laughs> I, I'm woefully underwatched as far as uh, percentage goes just 22% of his films, and I, I love John Hurt. I think he's incredible. I think he's a fantastic actor. I mentioned that he had two Oscar nominations. Um, let me make sure I have this right here. Uh, he was nominated for The Elephant Man, as well as Midnight Express. Midnight Express is a 1978 film uh, in which... Uh, Brad Davis, playing the role of Billy Hayes, is caught attempting to smuggle drugs out of Turkey. Uh, the courts decide to make an example of him, sentencing him for more than 30 years in prison. He has two opportunities for release, appeals made by his lawyer, his family, and the American government, or the titular Midnight Express. Uh, and uh, John Hurt nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this movie, which is good. Uh, it's not... I didn't find it exceptional or, or super great or anything like that, but I, I did like it. I did enjoy it. I thought it was very good. Uh, so, yeah, Midnight Express and The Elephant Man were his no Oscar nominations. I believe the only ones, at least the only ones I've seen. Uh, just to double check here. Yes, there's the only two. Uh, outside of that, he was the narrator of the Tigger movie. Uh, he's done voice roles, as I mentioned, in Watership Down. Uh, he has done and The Black Cauldron. Beyond that, uh, he's also done voice work in The Gruffalo, The Gruffalo's Child. Um, he's done narrator work in the Tigger movie, as well as Perfume, colon, The Story of a Murderer, and Charlie Countryman. He's been in quite a few short films, a couple of them nominated for Oscars in their own own rights. Uh, but man, he has just an extensive, extensive filmography. So some of the movies of his I haven't seen. Sightseers from 2012, uh, which is, doesn't even which he is just the Jer Jerusalem narrator. 1984 from 1984, Heaven's Gate from 1980, 2011's Immortals, The Skeleton Key, 1978's The Lord of the Rings, uh, 2005's Manderlay, 84's The Hit, 82's The Plague Dogs, Rob Roy, Outlander from 08, The Oxford Murders from 08, 10 Rollington, Rillington Palace Place, Rillington Place from 1971, King Ralph, 
Captain Corelli's Mandolin from 2001, even Cowgirls Get the Blues, the Osterman Weekend Recount from 2008, and uh, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Uh, you know, just scrolling down the list here, and it, it just does not end. Scandal from 1989, Shooting Dogs, The Journey, Jane Mansfield's Car, Labyrinth from 2012, Hiroshima, um... A bunch of documentaries uh, and and a bunch of television-related programs and, you know, still scrolling, still scrolling. Did a lot of narrator work uh, with things like Planet Dinosaur, Pride, and, you know, just it just it's almost endless. I don't know, it feels endless. Uh, he did a lot of great things and was in a lot of great, great films and... Again, you know, 174 credits is is not shabby at all, especially when uh, in in just 77 years. And I think uh, I don't know. I, it's a shame he wasn't um, he wasn't he wasn't able to stick around a little longer. He won multiple BAFTAs. He won I think three BAFTAs in his career. He won a Golden Globe, and. Uh, you know, he is part of some of the most iconic moments in history. You know, he was Ollivander in Harry Potter. He was, you know, his scene, his his death scene in Alien is incredibly iconic. You know, as the, I believe the Prime Minister was his role in V for Vendetta. You know, he was boisterous and, and loud and, and brilliant. And as the Elephant Man, you know, he covers the spectrum uh, it's it's really fascinating, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of John Hurt. Big, big fan. He is currently one of the 55 people on my spreadsheet with at least 39 credits. Uh, so a very select group there of 39 credits. John Hurt, number 8, in, uh, born in the 1940s, number 78 overall next up uh we we go to one of john hurt's co-stars in alien uh born in new york uh, october 8th 1949 she has 36 film credits to her name an average film rating of 62.19 two oscar nominations a value of 14 and a score of 72.92 on her way to being ranked 67th overall and that is Sigourney Weaver one spot behind Peter Mullen and one spot ahead of Ellen Corby um Sigourney Weaver co-starred with John Hurt in Alien uh was not as it turns out in any Harry Potter movies so for better or for worse uh who has had a very illustrious and fantastic sci-fi career uh lately in her later years having also taken part in a lot of voice roles including finding dory and wally uh, as small as those roles were uh she is very notable as uh, having played a role in avatar the highest grossing film of all time uh in all of the sequels to alien aliens alien 3 alien resurrection she was um 
a pivotal role in The Cabin in the Woods, Ghostbusters. Uh, she made a small appearance in Annie Hall. Uh, she was in the Meyerowitz stories from last year. She was in the Ghostbusters remake, A Monster Calls, The Village, whether or not you like The Village. Uh, Galaxy Quest is a favorite of mine that is, uh, I think, underrated. Holes was a big one for me. It came out at just the right time for, for me. Uh, you've got Working Girl, The Ice Storm, uh, and, and so on and so on and so on. Dave, I really love Dave. Dave is really good. Uh, I mentioned two Oscar nominations. The first for Aliens, plural, the sequel, James Cameron's sequel. Uh, the second was for, I believe, Working Girl. I wasn't a fan of Working Girl, though. Yes, second nomination for Working Girl. I didn't really like that movie, though. Uh, yeah, she is still alive and currently working on all the Avatar sequels, all four of them. <laughs> uh, when they, you know, second one slated to come out in 2020, we'll see. And, and... 2020, 2020, 2021, 2024, and 2025 is the year they are listed at right now. Uh, so we'll see if she can draw in the box office, uh, if those can pull in money like they the first one did. Um, but yeah, what a just all the sci-fi movies, uh, you know, Ghostbusters, Alien, Aliens, Wall-E, Avatar. You know, that's that's a uh, that's a that's just a huge huge portfolio and you know not just in terms of how many but also in terms of you know how how incredible you know alien aliens ghostbusters wally on their own generally very very widely considered to be uh some of the best sci-fi movies of all time uh, Aliens, also considered one of the best action movies of all time avatar highest grossing movie of all time period, uh, whether or not you think it is as culturally relevant as its box office receipts would have you believe. Uh, the fact that she was in Annie Hall and, uh, you know, other films like that. She was in Chappie from 2015. She was in A Monster Calls, which didn't get enough buzz, I don't think. I thought it was a decent film, uh, but and, you know, I know a lot of people are, are big supporters of that movie. Uh, the Meyerowitz stories, which I really enjoyed. I, I, you know, she's very good in that. She's in Holes and Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest is, in my opinion, one of the better sci-fi movies. It's it's a great straight-up sci-fi movie as well as a satire of, uh, you know, Star Trek and, and ilk like that ilk. Uh, she had roles in Vantage Point, Be Kind, Rewind, Red Lights, Rampart, Cedar Rapids, The Tales, The Tale of Despero, um, and so on and so on. Um, it, it just, it just, man, there just, just goes on and on. Uh, number of films she has credits for on Letterbox ninety four. That includes uh, unreleased films. If I hide unreleased films, she's that number drops down to ninety, so it just eliminates the avatars. Thirty seven out of ninety, um, pretty good. 
or 36 rather, 36 out of 90, about 40%. Uh, I will take that for sure. Some of the films of hers I haven't seen uh, include the really don't want to ever watch this, but I'm sure I'll have to at some point, Abduction from 2011 starring Taylor Lautner. Uh, you Again from 2010 starring Kristen Bell and Betty White, which also doesn't have great reviews. Copycat uh, from 1995 which is has decent decent ratings on Letterboxd. You've got Heartbreakers from 2001, who which has one of the most poorly photoshopped posters uh, I've ever seen. Bad reviews. And uh, The Year of Living Dangerously, which is pretty good reviews, actually. So I will have to add that one to the list. Also stars Mel Gibson and Linda Hunt. So that'll be interesting. And many others, many others. Uh, Gorillas in the Mist. She was in as Diane Fossey. So, you know, she's there's plenty more. I, I've got a lot. Uh, she played Ingrid Bergman. No, she didn't. Alicia, uh, what is she in this? Oh, this was a documentary that she plays herself in about Ingrid Bergman, which uses Alicia Vikander's voice to play Ingrid Bergman. She was in. Cold Light of Day from 2012, Vamps from 2012, uh, Death and the Maiden from 94, 2016's The Assignment, uh, 2006's Snow Cake, Snow Cake, interesting. Uh, She had uh, Political Animals was a TV show, I think, like a miniseries, yeah, it's like four hours long. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't actively seek out Sigourney Weaver, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I, I've never pursued a movie because she was in it, actually. But she happens to be in a lot of films. I think, you know, a lot of movies I mentioned, she, she plays tiny roles, like even Cabin in the Woods and, and you know, Annie Hall. Relatively small roles. Finding Dory, relatively small role. And... That's a shame. Uh, you know, she's still, she's one of the youngest people born in the 1940s, being born in 1949. So, you know, she's far from, you know, out of, you know, be, uh, not being possible, not being able to work anymore. She's clearly working on all the Avatar movies. I'm guessing that's taking up a lot of her time, but hopefully, hopefully they're good. Hopefully she's good in them. Uh, I mentioned two Oscar nominations, and uh, I mentioned she wore, she was in Grills in the Mist. Grills in the Mist was a third Oscar nominee nomination for her. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but I will add that to my list. Uh, she is colloquially colloquially known as the sci-fi queen, as, uh, as I mentioned, having been in so many sci-fi movies. Paul, Chappie. All the aliens and the Ghostbusters and the everything's. So I'm a big fan. I, I really, I really like Sigourney Weaver, and I'm glad that she is on this list. I'm glad that she is rated as high as she is, as number seven, born in the 1940s, and number 67 overall. Let's move on. Next up is a co-star of Sigourney Weaver's. We are just connecting the dots here co-star of hers from Finding Dory. So, uh, we have 
get here. Born in California, July 22nd, 1947. Uh, still alive with 17 film credits and an average film rating of 69.76. One Oscar nomination that I've seen. I will check to see if there were more. A value of 13 and a score of 75.42. Ranked 46th overall is Albert Brooks. Uh, the voice of Marlon in the Finding Nemo, Finding Dory movies. He is one spot behind Jennifer Jason Lee and one spot ahead of Patty Considine on the spreadsheet. And Albert Brooks, uh, far less prolific than the couple last couple of names we talked about. Only 31 credits on, on Letterboxd. I've seen more than half of them. So I'm cruising through his filmography, as it were. But he is, uh, you know, he is just a, a very solid, capable, never going to let you down actor. Um, and I think for me, the movie that really hammered that notion home was Defending Your Life. It's not a particularly great movie. Uh, I gave it uh, a 61. Yeah, I gave it a 61. Uh, so good, not great. Also stars Meryl Streep, Rip Torn, uh, among others. But the movie itself uh, is is kind of silly, you know. Uh, that he ends up in the afterlife and is forced to prove his worth that he deserve uh, that he demonstrated courage uh, in his life and the life that he led and and kind of just to determine where he goes uh, after kind of passing through this customs otherworldly customs court office thing, uh, which is a, an interesting concept, but I, I think the movie itself is a little meh. Uh, so, but, and and I don't think Albert Brooks is particularly exceptional in this movie, but I think he is just so solid. Uh, you know, Meryl Streep, generally considered one of the best actors of all time, gender irrelevant, and he's he's never... I think a lot of people acting with Meryl Streep, uh, you know, and, and she does a really good job of mitigating this in, in scenes that she shares with other people, but I still feel as though a lot of people that act alongside Streep are just just out of their league, uh, you know, even in the movies that she's not Oscar nominated for. She is just, you know, exceedingly incredible as an actor, and... Brooks is hardly a name that you would bandy about as one of the best actors of all time. Uh, you know, no offense to him. I think he's very good. I don't think he's in that conversation. But, uh, you know, just seeing him act with Streep and alongside her, you know, he is toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Like, he, he's, he's holding his own. I remember watching this movie. Uh, it was, like, a year ago, last summer. And it just... I don't know, he just works for me. And, you know, you see him in these other movies like Drive, Taxi Driver. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of voice work, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, The Simpsons movie, Secret Life of Pets, The Little Prince. Uh, he was in A Most Violent Year, Out of Sight, Broadcast News, uh, Concussion, and, and so forth. And uh, I think he has the capabilities, you know, he, he was nominated for an Oscar for his role in broadcast news. And I think he had the 
I don't know, he still has probably the, the range and the ability to go above that. And he shows it in Defending Your Life uh, opposite Meryl Streep. And, it, you know, it makes you think. I, I thought about all the other times, all the other movies I'd seen him in. I'd, I'm very familiar with him from his recurring role in Weeds, uh, which I really liked. And he just he's just a very kind of stubborn actor in a sense. You know, you, you see him... And he feels like, I don't know, he looks and, and feels like he should be a forgettable face, and he isn't. And, and I don't mean that, if, I don't know, maybe that's offensive, but I don't know. He just exudes uh, just kind of like he doesn't care confidence, if that makes if that makes sense. I don't know. I really like it. I think it's a really good and interesting and, and different look than I think a lot of actors give off. So I'm a big fan of Albert Brooks. So some of the movies of his that I haven't seen yet uh, include the Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone the movie, uh, as well as Modern Romance from 81, Lost in America in 1985, Private Benjamin from 1980, Real Life from 1979, Mother from 96, The Muse from 99, The Scout from 94, The In-Laws from 2003, uh, and so on. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, Private Benjamin and uh, the Twilight Zone, the movie, are the ones I'm familiar with of that list, but I, I don't know that any of them are, are particularly highly acclaimed. Um, if I sort by average letterboxed rating, it would tell me that uh, Modern Romance from 1981 is the highest rated film of his that I haven't seen yet. Also starring Bruno Kirby, James L. Brooks, and Catherine Harold, among others. Directed by Albert Brooks, also a director. Uh, he directed Defending Your Life, the film I was talking about earlier. He directed Lost in America. He directed Real Life, Mother, Muse, and Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. Interesting. Uh, he also wrote all seven of those films. So, hey, he can do it all. He can act, he can direct, he can write, and uh, he does all of them more than capably. Um, I like Albert Brooks. Uh, my favorite, the highest rated film he's been in for me is Finding Nemo. I think he is just pitch perfect as Marlon in that movie. Uh, you know, he is just enough, you know, false confidence throughout most of it you know when he needs to be vulnerable he is vulnerable you can hear it in his voice the annoyance he has with ellen degeneres's dory and 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 so on and so forth i think he he just an exemplary voice acting performance from from albert brooks so i love it he's number six born in 1940 he's in the top 50 all time ranked 46th overall fantastic Moving on to number five. Number five. We spent a little too long away from Harry Potter, so we're back with another actor in the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, and let me just find him on the list real quick here. And uh, all right. And so, born in the United Kingdom, as they are, April 17th, 1942 still alive with 15 film credits that I've seen and an average film rating of 71.27 14 as his value and 76.8 at 
76.88 as his score for an overall rank of 33rd. 33rd overall, and we're only at number 5, is David Bradley. <clears throat> One spot below Helena Bonham Carter, also in Harry Potter. And one spot ahead of Matt Damon, not in Harry Potter. David Bradley, you know, what What? What can I say? What can I say about David Bradley? He is, like Richard Griffiths, more of a character actor than anything else. He played Filch in the Harry Potter series, uh, The Caretaker. He has his recurring role on, had a recurring role on Game of Thrones, and, you know, he, he's just been around. He's been, you know, he, he was in Hot Fuzz and The World's End, uh, part of the Cornetto trilogy. He had a tiny role in The First Avenger. He was in 2010's Another Year, Exorcist The Beginning from 2004, Prick Up Your Ears from 87, which I think is quite good, uh, 2009's Harry Brown, which, eh, not, it's fine. Um, but pretty much it's, it, as a film, it's pretty much Harry Potter. Uh, um, unlike the other Harry Potter named people I've mentioned, he really relied on it completely to get where he was on the spreadsheet. Um, obviously, Hot Fuzz and World's End and Captain America don't hurt, uh, but he is currently the highest rated person on my spreadsheet that has that does not have a movie rated in the 90s or above. Um, everyone above him has at least one movie rated in the 90s. None of his are rated in the 90s, uh, with his highest film rating as Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which has an 88. Uh, Hot Fuzz in the 80s, a couple of other Harry Potters in the 80s, uh, Prick Up Your Ears in the 80s, but all said, uh, a lot of 80s movie ranked movies, but nothing in the 90s. And... The only way he pulls it off at being so highly rated is one bad movie. That's it. Just one. Uh, Harry Brown is okay. It's in the 50s. But Exorcist the Beginning is the only bad movie of his that I've seen. And, you know, that's... Sometimes that's all it takes. So, outside of Harry Potter, outside of the Cornetto trilogy, what has he been in? What, what else can we watch that features... David Bradley, as far as film is concerned. Well, you've got uh, 2017's The Lodgers, 2002's Nicholas Nickleby, uh, 2001's Blow Dry, uh, 2016's The Young Messiah, 2000's The King is Alive, uh, the 2006 Sweeney Todd. Uh, what else here? There's a 2018 film called Await Further Instructions that he is in. Don't know anything about that, but it's a lot of a lot of stuff I'm just never heard of, never seen before, not familiar with. So, who knows? Uh, David Bradley, he's he's got a thing. I don't know. He's a thing. <laughs> uh, his role in Hot Fuzz, two thousand and seven, was a farmer. Uh, who illegally hoarded weapons? Uh, you know, tiny roles. He's he's basically he's far he's much more of a character actor than Richard Griffiths is, uh, and um, you know that's that's about it though. 
that's there's not much more to it than that he he's just in random things and it's not a lot like i said he has 57 credits on letterboxd i've seen a little more than a quarter of those credits personally and you know i think in my opinion uh his trajectory is down uh it's unfortunate but i think he doesn't really have much of a filmography outside of what i've already seen that you know bears a lot of faith in in being good uh some of the things let's see let's see if i can prove myself wrong now uh, a lot of the things on here are just british miniseries um, which is frustrating because i don't log those or count them yeah everything on the, all, all these things attached to the bbc that really distort the numbers here unfortunately so uh yeah i don't i don't see anything highly rated that is actually a movie so uh david bradley i like david bradley he's not i'm not i'm not disparaging him i i don't i don't think he shouldn't be in all these movies even as these bit roles but i i think there comes a not a reckoning but you know an, an understanding a judgment of of what it is he's really doing so yeah david bradley he is number five right now uh, we'll see two years from now i expect that number to either be lower or maybe non-existent we we shall see but he's ranked 33rd overall so uh still very high still very very high let's move on to one of his harry potter co-stars another harry potter member the penultimate member of the harry potter franchise on this list born in ireland october 19th 1940 uh, 31 film credits average film rating of 65.42 uh, 16 as their value and a score of 77.45 for an overall ranking of 28th overall so five spots ahead of david bradley one spot behind mickey mcgowan and one spot ahead of jack angel is michael gambone the dumbledore the second dumbledore himself michael bent gambone has been in a lot of movies a lot of movies uh, 110 credits on letterboxd i've seen just shy of a third of that number at 31 well more like 30 percent actually uh but outside of the harry potter franchise he has had good work with wes anderson and the life aquatic and fantastic mr fox he has worked on the King's Speech, Oscar Best Picture winner, The King's Speech. He works with the Coen Brothers in Hail Caesar, uh, The Insider, both Paddington movies. He was in Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Layer Cake, Sleepy Hollow, The Book of Eli, Gosford Park, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, Sky Captain, and The World of Tomorrow, Victorian Abdul from last year, The Good Shepherd from 06, uh, 1992's Toys, which I'm not really a fan of, but I know people who are, including zach from the cine realists uh 2003's open range viceroy's house from last year amazing grace from 2006 wings of the dove which i'm quite a fan of from 1997 um yeah there's a lot it's a lot it's a it's a long long list and uh there's still a lot i haven't seen 
I'm a big fan. I really like Michael Gambone. He is incredibly domineering on the screen. He, you know, he he has those jowls and he he just, you know, he he screams and he shouts and he's very energetic and, and animated in, in a lot, most of his roles. And, you know, even as Dumbledore, you know, for better or worse, he was like that as well. And... Uh, he he just I don't know he 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 really has that command over uh, his his craft his craft I guess is the best way to phrase that I believe um, you know it's a shame I haven't seen I I don't I don't know that the, the that I've I don't know he he's never been nominated for an Oscar which is kind of surprising. Uh, his lone Golden Globe nomination was as an actor in a miniseries or a TV movie. Uh, he's had a couple of... He's won four BAFTAs, though. So the BAFTAs love him, uh, but he has not broken through to the Oscars. So for the BAFTAs, he won four BAFTA TV awards for The Singing Detective, Wives and Daughters, Longitude, and Perfect Strangers. Uh, the 2020 awards from uh, from 2020 from 2010, looking back to 1989-1990, uh, nominated him for best supporting actor in *The Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover*, which I don't hate. I think he's very good in that. Um, it's a role very suited to that sort of animated and, and brash personality of his that I, I like so much. Uh, he has spent plenty of his, plenty of time in theater. I mentioned the television uh, roles that he's had as the singing detective uh, and much, much more. Um, yeah, so things of his I haven't seen include The Death and Life of John F. Donovan, uh, slated for 2018, Ali G. in the House from 2002, Quartet from 2012, The Omen from 2006, Sylvia from 2003, Bride's Head Revisited from 2008, Mary Riley from 96, Dad's Army from 2016, Emma from 2009, The Beast Must Die from 74, Charlotte Charlotte Gray from 2001, um, Being Julia from 2004, um, The Good Night from 2007, 2017's, I think this is the one that's coming out like this weekend, Little Women, maybe, or maybe it's a year, I don't know, 2017's Little Women, uh, King of Thieves from this year, 2018, related to release, so lots of movies, plenty of movies left to see, uh, and the list goes on and on, there's many others, The Actors, The Baker, Path to War, uh, The Wind in the Willows, Deep Blue, Animated version of Christmas Carol, The Last September, Restless, Turtle Diary, Turtle Diary from 1985. Yeah, so uh, Michael Gambone, easily most recognizable as Dumbledore now, but has had many, many roles uh, throughout his career that have elevated his status elevated his recognition and made him as as 
uh, you know, noteworthy and, and praiseworthy as he deserves to be. I'm a big fan. My highest rated film that he's been in is Fantastic Mr. Fox, followed by The King's Speech. Um, you know, he he's... But he, he does it all. You know, Paddington's... His roles in Paddington are voice roles, as well as his role in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, he has that range. And, and, you know, I think despite the fact that many of his roles are kind of more angry... Uh, you know, just watch him in Paddington. Uh, he plays, if I'm not mistaken, Paddington's uncle in the movie. Yes, Uncle Pastuzo. He voices Uncle Pastuzo. Like, not angry. He's very morose. Uh, not morose. Um, maybe morose. He, he's subdued. Not morose. He's more subdued. He's more lackadaisical, kind of like a Baloo in the Jungle Book basically and it works it it just it just does i don't know it works so i'm a fan i like michael gambone uh i did prefer richard harris as dumbledore but you know we couldn't keep that and uh, gambone was a perfectly suitable replacement uh, perfectly suitable so uh number four born in 1940s number 28 overall which brings us to the last of the actors who are involved in all the Harry Potter movies. Uh, and then two people who aren't. So we'll get that. Uh, so uh, moving on to number three, we jump up to born in the United Kingdom, February 21st, 1946, passing January 14th, 2016 at the age of 69. Unfortunately, very sad to see him go. 29 film credits, an average film rating of 66.69, and a value of 17.5 with a score of 79.89 to be ranked 17th overall is Alan Rickman. One spot behind Jeremy Renner, one spot ahead of Burt Stevens. In addition to sharing Harry Potter films with many of the other names mentioned before, he also shares... um, Galaxy Quest with Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has uh, what's uh, Richard Griffiths in it with him. Um, Perfume, the story of a murderer, which he shares the ro- a role with uh, uh, John Hurt as the narrator, uh, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, but he is Snape in Harry Potter. He is absolutely pitch perfect as severus snape uh you know the harry potter films const you know harry potter and the marvel cinematic universe constantly constantly lauded for their impeccable casting decisions uh you can't you couldn't go get any better than snape and alan rickman uh, you know he was he was absolutely perfect um before harry potter and outside of harry potter he had other roles that he played which include uh, his role in Die Hard as the villain, uh, Hans Gruber. He was in a handful of uh, Tim Burton movies, including Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. He was in Dogma, Eye in the Sky from a couple of years ago, uh, Sense and Sensibility, which I very much enjoy, Michael Collins, 
with Liam Neeson, uh, Lee Daniels' The Butler, 2012's Gambit, uh, 1992's Bob Roberts with Tim Robbins. Uh, he was in 2008's Bottle Shock, which I watched recently and enjoyed. Uh, the January Man from 1989. And, you know, so on and so forth. He He's had a wide and successful career. I'm very, very just... just in awe of, of the range and, and the capabilities that he had to be able to play the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland to Snape to Hans Gruber, you know, his roles in his role in Love Actually, Sweeney Todd, Galaxy Quest. He's fantastic in Galaxy Quest and, you know, and in stretching even in another direction in Dogma. Uh, perfectly positioned in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, as the voice of Marvin. You know, he he just exudes solemnness. And I think it's the perfect, you know, he just, he looks it, he pulls it off. You know, his angry moments, especially as Snape, come brilliantly and and perfectly. Uh, I I just, huge fan. I, I couldn't, I can't praise him enough. Some of the movies that he's been in I haven't seen. Uh, including Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with Kevin Costner, Truly Madly Deeply uh, from 1990, A Little Chaos from 2014, Quigley Down Under from 1990. He is also in 2001's Blow Dry uh, with Josh Hartnett, Natasha Richardson, and the aforementioned Rachel Griffiths. He is in Snow Cake with Sigourney Weaver, as it turns out. Uh, what else do we have here? He's in The Song of Lunch, 2010, with Emma Thompson. Noble Son, from 2007. Uh, the Winter Guest, Dark Harbor, The Boy in the Bubble, Judas Kiss, Mesmer, and so on. Uh, fantastic career. He's got 68 film credits on Letterboxd right now. I've seen 29 of them. And a little over 40%. Uh, outside of film, he was a very big stage actor, both in modern and classical productions. Uh, used to be a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, he... The... You know, he he just he did it all. He he absolutely did it all. And the biggest uh, shame, in my opinion, is his lack of an Oscar nomination. Not once, um, which is unfortunate. He won a Golden Globe uh, for his performance in a miniseries or TV movie in 1996's Rasputin. He won four. Or he won a BAFTA Film Award for supporting performance in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and was nominated three other times for his roles in Michael Collins, Sense and Sensibility, and Truly, Madly, Deeply. In the 2020 Awards, looking back at Sense and Sensibility, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I like the 2020 Awards. I think that's a good, good practice. Uh, man, you know, he played Judge Turpin and Sweeney Todd... He, he just, 
no limits, no limits, you know, even he maybe didn't always look comfortable doing it, but he could even be happy. He could even play happy, uh, despite, you know, you, 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 you kind of have to dig <laughs> to find some of the roles where he's, you know, genuinely happy, but, uh, he, he pulls it off. He does it. So I like Alan Rickman. I love Alan Rickman. Alan Sidney Patrick Rickman. Um, gone too soon and uh, sorely missed and hopefully uh, will be remembered for quite some time. He is my number three, born in the 1940s, and number 17 currently overall. So, top two. They don't have anything to do with Harry Potter, I don't believe. No. Uh, but they do have something in common with each other. But let's look at number two first. Uh, so, born in Washington State, uh, May 20th, 1940, with 55 film credits, the highest number of anyone on this top 10 list, an average film rating of 63 even, a value of 25, the highest value of any actor on the spreadsheet, scored a score of 85.79 to be ranked third overall. Third overall is Sherry Lynn, one spot ahead of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Sherry Lynn, I talk about, I've talked about her before on this podcast. I am a big fan uh, of her voice work. That is literally all she does is voice work. Uh, she has collaborated with Disney, Pixar, Studio Ghibli, and, and many other film uh, animation studios in her career. Uh, she uh, has done a lot, a lot of voice work in anime as well uh, as, as the English counterpart to a lot of Japanese voice actors. And uh, for a very, very, very long time, she was the overall number one ranked actor on my spreadsheet. Uh, if you listened to the 1930s top 10 list, you would know who the new top top actor is, as it as he was born in the 1930s, and that's Tatsuya Nakadai. Uh, so he will not be our number one. Our number one, born in the 1940s, is the number two place person all time overall. And Sherry Lynn, I mean, you know, I can just rattle off all the best animated movies that came out in the last 15 to 25 years, and uh, she's pretty much been in all of them. You know, every Toy Story movie, The Monsters, Inc., Monsters University, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Inside Out, Wally Up, Iron Giant, Shrek 2, Hercules, The Little Mermaid, a Bug's Life, Emperor's New Groove, Ice Age, Despicable Me, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Tarzan, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Ice Age 2, The Lorax, Horton, Here's a Who, Surfs Up. She had a voice role in the live action 101 Dalmatians, a voice role in Death Becomes Her, Osmosis Jones, Five Goes West, Quest for Camelot, DuckTales the movie. Um, you know, it's it just Doug's first movie. Theodore Rex, even some of these really terrible things, uh, she's been in them. She's she's been all over. She does a lot of work, and it's it's really really impressive. Uh, she uh, is is seventy eight right now, and 
uh, her her typical characters uh, are. She generally uses uh, voices younger female characters, um, but the easily uh, the most recognizable role that she probably has had uh, the the easiest one to to, to find and to hear is um, her role in Inside Out, where she plays. I believe, let me see if I can double check this. She plays one of the emotions of the mom. Um, it's not telling me here. I think she plays the mom's joy. But but I'm not 100% sure about that. I know she plays one of the emotions of the mom in Inside Out. And uh, it's it's really... You know, it's for someone, and like I talk about this a lot with all these people, actors on my list that are basically just extras, and this is kind of the animated version of that. But as much as you can say that the roles she has are, are effectively worthless, um, which is not an unfair criticism, you know, I think that more to the point, it's it's you know, she's not in every single animated movie and it's not as though the characters she plays recur you know i'm i'm fairly confident that she voices different characters within the same franchise and in fact multiple characters within the same movie so it's not as though you know a character of hers just isn't in the bad sequel and then she's not there it's you know working with the right people it's it's choosing the right pro- projects and you know no one's going to be flawless at that she's had plenty of bad movies that she's voiced in Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True Theodore Rex Happily Never After Minions Christmas in Tattertown Asterix and The Big Fight uh, and so forth but just an overwhelming number of of great movies that she's been in uh, one of the select few actors who has been in a, a movie rated 100 with Toy Story. She's been in 12 movies uh, ranked between 90 and 99, which is tied for the most with Frank Welker, another very prolific voice actor. Uh, her 10 movies rated in the 80s uh, is the fourth highest number there. Her, her 10 movies rated in the 70s is the 11th highest number there. Uh, it, it just, it just, it just, it, it just overwhelming. Just so many positive movies, and you know, I have been a big supporter of hers, and I, I, you know, I follow her on Facebook, and and partly because Letterboxd and, and the movie database, which is where Letterboxd gets their information, don't really keep good tabs on on a lot of these uh, additional voice extra animation mo- workers. And so I've, I've had to input a lot of this information onto Letterboxd by myself. Uh, even more to the point, she's currently listed as having 67 film credits, and I've had having seen 47 of them when I've seen 55. So there's still things missing that aren't there, including most of the Studio Ghibli movies uh, because of the they're the English translation versions. Um, so like that includes Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, Old Boy. She has a voice in uh, Park Chan Wook's Old Boy. Uh, she, she has a voice in what else? Porco Rosso, um, Ponyo, um, Cars, 
and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. Uh, it's it's just it's unreal. Unreal. Uh, so uh, twenty credits on Letterbox that I haven't seen, uh, including uh, a lot of anime. So Ghost in the Shell Two, Innocence, uh, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam One, Card Captor Sakura, Mobile Suit Gundam Two, Mobile Suit Gundam Three, Street Fighter Alpha the Movie, um, The Dog of Flanders, My Little Pony the Movie from 1986, Bio Hunter. Tenchi Muyo, In Love, Apocalypse Zero, Psycho Diver, Tenchi Forever, Tenchi the Movie 2, Tokyo Decameron, Decameron, Dragon Slayer. A lot of anime and a couple of other things thrown in that list. Um, but two movies that I'm pretty sure she still has a voice role in, but uh, are actually live action, uh, including 1999's The Haunting, starring Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, and Lily Taylor, among others, in which she voices a child in the movie, <clears throat> as well as 1994's The River Wild, uh, starring Meryl Streep, David Strathairn, Kevin Bacon, Benjamin Bratt, John C. Riley, among others, in which she voices additional dialogue replacement. Um, so basically background vocals, almost. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm... I'm I like being able to see more movies that she's in because she's not in, I don't know, it's been a while, she hasn't come out. Her newest movie uh, at the moment is uh, Minions, basically, and that came out back in 2015, so uh, we'll see. I, I know she's not done working, I, as, a, as, a, as I said, I follow her on Facebook, so I know she has been keeping up. I think she's doing a lot of television work, though. But I'm excited. I hope that she continues to be, be an incredible voice actor. And um, in the meantime, I have some anime to watch that she's in. So Sherry Lynn, number two, born in the 1940s, number three overall. Number three overall. Which brings us to our number one. Brings us to our number one. Drum roll, please. Born in Connecticut, April 6th, 1947. Still alive with 35 film credits, an average film rating of 66.89, a value of 23.5, which is the second highest value of anyone on this list, of on any list, really. Uh, score of 86.77, ranked second overall. One spot behind Tatsuya Nakadai and one spot ahead of Sherry Lynn is John... Ratzenberger. I mentioned that he shares a lot with Sherry Lynn. They are both very prolific voice actors. Uh, John Ratzenberger, who you may most may have most recently heard in Incredibles 2 as the voice of the Underminer, uh, is basically Sherry Lynn if uh, she voiced more recognizable roles in the movies that she was in. Uh, but that being as it is, uh, I believe lends itself to its own um, downfall, which is generally requires more work, more time, and, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, also, additionally, uh, Ratzenberger has done live-action work, where Sherilyn really has not. Uh, so 
He has, you know, in addition to his role on Cheers as Cliff Clavin, uh, he has also been in movies like Gandhi, Superman, Superman 2. I don't know if he's a voice role in those, but Superman and Gandhi. Let me see. I'll use a different way to determine this. Uh, That Darn Cat, he plays himself. Outland, Firefox, Motel Hell. Superman 2 is playing himself. Uh, Ragtime, he was in Ragtime. And Gandhi. And he was in uh, The Empire Strikes Back as a person, a real live human person. What was his role? At least I, I... Color, colored it as if he were a real person. Rats. Okay. As Rebel Force Major Durlin. That's that's a pool. That is quite a pool. Uh, but I mentioned, you know, he done a lot of Pixar work. Uh, that is his primary studio. So another reason why, you know, he doesn't quite have the animated resume that uh, Sherry Lynn does is, um, looking down the list here, it's only... Pixar, but it's every Pixar, Inside Out, Coco, Incredibles, Wally, Up, Toy Story, Toy Story, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Monsters Inc., Ratatouille, Brave, Monsters University, Bugs Life, Cars, 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 Good, Good Dinosaur, etc. Uh, which is great, and and I mean obviously with with Pixar's track record, he is riding that money train and uh, successful spreadsheet train as well, uh, pretty much. Uh, as long as he he wants to really and i'm i like it i i I like john ratzenberger i think you can tell his voice you can pick his voice out of a movie uh pretty easily uh you know in in toy story he voices ham uh in inside out uh he voices fritz fritz voices fritz I don't remember who that is in the movie. Oh, he voices one of the mind workers. He has a mustache. Makes sense. Um, yeah, John Ratzenberger. You know, what else? He's going to... So anyway, movies of his I haven't seen. Movies of his I haven't seen. There's a few. Uh, Superman 2. I have seen Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Haven't seen the actual Superman 2. Uh, A Bridge Too Far from 1977. House 2, the second story from 87. The Falcon and the Snowman. Twilight's Last Gleaming. Battle Truck. Oh boy, what a name. Warlords of Atlantis. Protocol. One Night Stand. Hanover Street. Russell Madness, which is a poster of a dog and a monkey. 2013's Super Buddies. Time Stalkers. Yanks. 1979's The Bitch. 2016's Monkey Up, which is part of the Air Bud franchise. It has an Air Bud logo on it. A talking monkey seeks to gain fame and fortune as a movie star, but instead finds what's most important, a family Oh boy. Oh boy. Combat Academy. Camp Cucamonga. Oh yeah. We are hitting the scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um Man, this is this is rough. Some of these posters are real bad. 
Real bad. Okay, John Ratzenberger. Big fan. Love his work. He's a great voice actor. Um, you know, he... Like Sherry Lynn, I don't think he quite... I don't know, he just... He, he emotes very, very well as a voice actor. He doesn't have anything in his resume that lends to the idea that he could, like, anchor an entire movie. Not that I'm saying he couldn't. I think he just doesn't have any evidence that that is the case. Because I certainly think he could do it. I, I think he has the capability. Uh, you know, you get another Pixar movie with, with an older person as one of the leads, like Up, for example. And I think he could totally, totally pull that off under the right circumstances. But that being said, um, yeah, he, he has never been the number one ranked actor all time he has consistently been in the top 10 i can't remember the last time he was outside of it uh you know it just because each new movie is pixar basically and it's the old ones that i'm just adding to the list that are are keeping him from you know kind of reaching that point uh, motel hell which i saw recently firefox which i saw recently eh. ragtime was very good Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, was good. Um, but uh, some of them, man, Firefox and, and Motel Hell, really bad. Really bad. She's having a baby. I wasn't a big fan of either. I, I have a big thumbs down there. Planes, Fire and Rescue. No. So, uh, John Ratzenberger. He is the number two overall ranked actor and number one born in 19... 19- the 1940s so just to run down that list one more time from 10 to 1 you've got peter mayhew richard griffiths john hurt sigourney weaver albert brooks david bradley michael gambone alan rickman sherry lynn and john ratzenberger it has been a lot of fun talking about these these guys these people these actors these incredible talents and um it is very upsetting that that any of them have passed already um and uh, for so many of them rickman uh hurt and griffiths to to not be with us is is very disappointing but uh they all they also have so many movies out that you that i still have to watch so i i can't be too upset in that respect uh and and that's I mean, that's that's going to be it. That's it for today's episode. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to next month when we do the 1950s and uh, we get more and more recent. And it should, it should be a lot. It should be interesting as we get up there, as we do. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, that's it. That's it for today's episode. And uh, I'm now going to hand things over to Meg Berquist, who's going to do the outro. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell. I know she'll never leave me Even as she fades from
Dominique. So long.